0: everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Most of you probably know tonight's guest. And if you don't, well, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to him. Please welcome Mr. Revenant. I've asked him to join us once again because, one, it's been far too long. Two, I'm a huge fan, but also three... I knew he would do these stories justice, and I think you will agree. And if I'm right, I hope you'll check out his channel and subscribe. I've linked it in the description. We've got so much spooky to get to tonight, and none of it for the faint of heart. So, let's get started, shall we? My buddies and I have a YouTube and TikTok where we go to places with urban legends, ghost stories, and we get wasted there on camera. We live in the Louisville area, so we recently hit a lot of major spots in the area and decided to finish it off with Iroquist Park. We'd known all of the stories. The headless woman who's supposed to appear on foggy nights, the serial killers who ended their victims' lives, etc. So. We pull up to the park, late, late at night, with our film and our lighting equipment. Keep in mind, we hadn't had a drop at this moment. We're walking on the closed road in the park, and right away, you can tell that the real danger in coming to this park at night is the pure isolation you have at the top of the hill. And while it's supposed to be a beautiful nighttime view, any villain will tell you not to go at night. We get to the top after walking about an hour, and it's apparent that my buddies are just as sketched out as I am, so we decide to do a full lap before we set up. We're about halfway through the lap, having heard the dogs barking. We saw the fog, and we even smelt burning wood, when we stumble upon a point with a large stone wall. In the dark... It looked to us like there was a figure sitting on the wall, swaying back and forth, but much taller than the average person. I immediately get freaked out and I say, on camera, I see somebody by the wall. We turn our lights off and we sit for a second, trying to work out the figure in the dark. I start to turn around thinking that it was a homeless person up to no good. But my friend on camera decides to approach it. By the time we get to the point of where it was sitting, there's nothing there. It scared the shit out of me. Not sure how scared my buddies were, because I couldn't see their faces in the dark. Not sure what it was, but in that moment, it got our hearts pumping.
1: When I was 10, my dog Misty disappeared. A month passed and I came home from school one day to find her collar sitting on our front porch steps. In a rush of excitement, I burst through the door asking my mom if Misty came home, showing her the collar i just found. My mom's reaction to seeing it did not inspire the same joy I had. Instead, she walked from window to window, using two fingers to separate the blinds and peering out of them before telling me. No, Misty hasn't returned yet. Later that week, however, I'm at the table eating dinner and going over my spelling words for the test the next day. Sitting at my kitchen table, my back faces the door that leads to the backyard. My mom's behind me, reading the list of words when I hear the dog door flap up and Misty's paw clip-clop onto the kitchen floor. When I spin around, I'm overcome with tears seeing my dog return. My mom stands speechless as I jump out of my chair and drop to my knees to hug Misty. But when I get close, her hair stands up and she starts growling at me, like she didn't recognize my scent. I stood up, just before she lunged at me. The quick reflexes of my mom saved me from getting mauled, kicking Misty away mid-air as she leapt towards me. Now crying and running toward my bedroom, I can hear my mom yelling and struggling with the dog before Misty howls and exits out the dog door again and into the yard. A trail of blood leading from the kitchen through the hallway into the bathroom is what I followed after leaving my bedroom to check on my mom. When I find her, she's in the bathroom, digging under the sink for medical supplies to wrap the wounds she's sustained from Misty. Her forearms shredded with lacerations and bite marks from trying to block Misty's teeth from reaching her face. Wincing through the pain, I watch my mom sit on the edge of the bathtub, and wrap the parts of skin and muscle torn out when Misty pulled. Multiple layers of wrap, and each one soaks with blood within a matter of seconds after being placed. I say we need to call 911, but my mom tells me we're not paying for an ambulance. Instead, she has me dig through her purse for the car keys, and grabs our coats. With everything hastily collected, we head toward the front door, I run to open the door for my mom. We're both stuttered by the sight of Misty sitting in the front yard. We both walk to the window and just stare at this dog as it sits frozen in the yard, its eyes fixed on the front door, until she noticed us in the window. Then she began staring back in our direction. Misty's gaze prompts my mom to push me back with her hips and pull the shades down. The wrap on my mom's arm was completely red and began dripping through when she attempted to open the door to see how Misty would react. She hasn't left her spot in the yard, but the blood loss is beginning to make my mom woozy, each minute becoming more precious than the last. The door opens and is instantly slammed back as we see Misty launch to her feet and charge at the door. My mom had already locked the back dog door before she ran to the bathroom. We heard Misty start scratching at it. We tried again to go out the front door, but again, each time we'd open the door, Misty would rip around the side of the house before either of us could get a foot past the front step. Each time, us tumbling back inside and slamming the door right as she would reach the front step, coming our way. More time passes, and we're sitting on the couch when I start to see my mom's eyes roll back into her head, and her body start to slump on the couch. Her responses sound labored, and at that point, I didn't care if the devil himself was in that ambulance. I grabbed the phone and called 911. Not knowing how medical billing works at that age, I don't disclose my mom's name while talking to the operator. Instead, I tell her there's a woman I don't know dying in my house. When I hear police and ambulance sirens heading our direction, I hop off the couch and look out the window. Misty's sitting back in her spot. The first vehicles to reach our driveway are the cops. Years and years later, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what happened next. When the cop cars park and the two officers get out of their cars, Misty gets up and starts wagging her tail, acting sweet to the officers. They both ignore her and dash past the dog with blood in its fur to the door. I let them in and they start trying to wake my mama. One of the cops runs back to his patrol car to get his medipack. Both there and back, Misty still wags her tail, trying to act playful with the cop, tripping him up and slowing his stride before getting gently pushed away. While the cops are trying to keep my mom conscious, I remain at the window, in utter disbelief at this dog's behavioral transformation. Then, the ambulance begins speeding down our long driveway toward the house. Misty's wagging tail falls limp, and her paws leave imprints in the dirt when she hit her sprint for the fence, bounding over it, meeting the ambulance head on. As it neared the last dozen yards of our driveway, our body violently striking the front bumper going under both the front and rear tires. Seeing that brought the tears back to my cheeks. Writing this, thinking about it, it still makes me emotional. The paramedics were horrified and apologized profusely when they came into the house. My mom had lost a lot of blood and would need to be rushed to the hospital. The bite was so traumatic it had actually broken the ulna bone in her arm, along with hundreds of stitches in attempt to re-grab the skin. She lived close to 50 years past that incident, though the scarring of her arm did lead her to a bout of depression and alcoholism almost immediately after the surgery. Thankfully, someone at our work had a wife who was a therapist. She counseled my mom until she was able to better cope with the mental trauma of this. It wasn't an end-all cure-all. The sounds of dogs barking would still send my mom into a panic attack from time to time over the years. The animals I was able to keep as pets narrowed down to palm size or smaller, until I moved to college and got a snake. I, too, never got another dog, but I still do have my red tail boa. He's 30 years old and still going strong. I'd say I made the right choice.
0: When I was six or seven years old I experienced something that I've never really been able to explain At least not logically When my mom was still alive She used to say that I must have seen a ghost Yeah, maybe But it was more than that too I'd been sitting outside near the chain link fence Just past the playset At my after school daycare I don't know what I was thinking about Probably my last truly innocent childlike thought. But my real memory, it starts when I'm suddenly drawn to a girl. A girl who was standing in the middle of the road. She seemed to appear out of nowhere. She was around my age, maybe younger. Just standing there, facing the playground, facing me. No parents around. She looked like she'd been hurt. She looked odd. It wasn't like I could see blood. The color of whatever covered her was muted, like the rest of her, almost like the color of dirt. And her skin, it was gray. At the time, I'd never seen what a dead person or a ghost was supposed to look like, but when I was about ten or eleven, I accidentally saw a movie called Nightwatch. The deceased in that movie... The grayish, greenish tone. That's what this girl had. I instantly thought of that girl when I saw it, like I do most times that death comes up, or ghosts, or a lot of things, really. Anyway, I watched as the little girl suddenly disappeared. I looked for her, getting up from the ground and walking closer to the fence. Looking right and left, I saw no one. And then I felt something push past me. It sort of knocks me over, but I brace myself with my hands and I end up rocking myself back into a seated position. I look and just past me is the same little girl. She came from inside the playground, but she looks different. Still muted, but not hurt. She's chasing after something. She's chasing whatever it is right into the middle of the road where I'd originally seen her. I turn and look at everybody else outside. No one seems to notice. And suddenly, I hear so much noise behind me, but I'm too afraid to turn back and look. I hear a sound I can't describe, and tires screeching on the road, screaming coming from children, adults, but I can't see any of them. My ears are just filled with this noise, and when I look towards the road, I don't see any cars or people. I just see the little girl. She's hurt again. More noise added to the background. Sirens. Crowds. It's deafening. A few moments after I made eye contact with the little girl, I start to feel really sick, and I guess scared. I was filled with this sort of icy-cold, hot feeling. It's reminiscent from when I had the flu and my fever was all over the place. I maintained eye contact with the girl, even throughout feeling so ill. I was already sitting on the ground, but I then felt myself begin to lay on the ground, as did the girl. I felt the wood chips scratch my face as I sort of fell into them. Before I knew it, I was closing my eyes. I felt so relaxed, but I remember also thinking, I can't possibly sleep right now. I'm not tired. For several moments, it feels like magnets are keeping my eyes closed. I can't open them to see if the girl is still there, yet through my closed eyes, I can feel her. I also felt my body run entirely cold. It was like I was dipped into ice, but it didn't cause my body to move as I'd expect. Instead, I was just lying there, with my eyes closed. And though I was relaxed, I tried to call out, to make some sort of noise. Someone has to see that I'm laying down, a teacher, a friend, someone. The noise filling my ears became muted, like the colors of the girl. They were still there, but quieter, as though someone was turning down the volume on a movie or radio. Suddenly, I let myself fall asleep, if you will, and the noise, it just trailed off entirely until it was silent. It's as though I don't care or I don't remember what's happened. It's hard to say which it was or even what happened next. I do know that I hadn't really been asleep. I could hear my surroundings change. The sound of my real surroundings began to fill my ears. A lady I didn't recognize was standing over me, asking if I was okay, grabbing my hands and attempting to lift me up. I was so confused. I kept looking in the street for this girl, for the scene. I told the lady what I had seen trying to get it all out like it was a dream I may forget. Except I didn't forget. Not that day, not that year, not so many years later. I've never forgotten this experience. The older I've gotten, the wilder this whole thing feels. The lady didn't dismiss me, though. She gave me a snack and asked me what the girl looked like. Her hair, her clothes... So I told her all the details I could remember. Brown hair. Black pants with some sort of stripe. A gray sweater or jacket. She wrote it all down. I remember thinking she was going to show my mom. Part of me was wondering if I was in trouble. And the other part of me was wondering, had this lady seen the little girl too? What's sort of strange is that the lady never did tell my mom. I can't tell you how nervous I was. I had this feeling that what I saw was unbelievable. I just also knew it was 100% something that had really happened. I wasn't making it up. I just never wanted my mom to be mad at me, which is so funny because she truly never was mad at me, for much of anything. Anyway, I waited for my mom to ask me about it. But when she never did ask, and instead asked me what was wrong, I ended up telling her on the way home that day, and several days moving forward in life. The first time, she was sort of shocked at what I was telling her, but she didn't seem scared or anything. And most important, she was sure that I wasn't crazy. She was sure that I wasn't lying. I was filled with relief. I'd let myself breathe again. And then, I just let her try to make me feel better. I let her tell me all of her thoughts. And those thoughts, they remained the same for the most part. Her opinion and thoughts about the whole thing. Her whole life, she remained pretty firm that I'd seen a ghost. The daycare, it doesn't exist anymore. That entire street and half-mile radius is filled with various shopping malls. Nothing has ever come up on Google, and I can't find anything about a girl losing her life like that, 1988 or before. When I was a little older, my mom added to her theory, saying that she thought I'd seen the ghost of someone who'd lost their life, most likely at that daycare, most likely before there was a fence. She used to say that some people have gifts, that I could be one of those people. I never understood that as a child, as a teen. It never felt like a gift, more like a curse. However, as an adult, my real experience and my mom's confidence in what it was has left me with a sense of peace instead of angst. I only wish I could really know her name, because is it strange that I feel her name was Sarah? I mean... I know it's Sarah, but Sarah who? Either way, I hope she's at peace.
1: When my grandmother passed in 2012, Shortly after, we experienced some random things. Things such as an electric toothbrush randomly turning on and falling into the sink. Phantom knocking at the door. Today at work, my friend mentions she thinks her grandmother's spirits is haunting her apartment. And the whole thing is freaking out her cat. I tell her I'm a believer and proceed to share my grandma's story about my own weird experiences after her funeral. I was driving out of a small town cemetery in Texas, just minutes after laying my grandma to rest, when out of nowhere the car radio turns on. The car was brand new and had never done that before, and never did it again after. I wish we had paid more attention to the song or what the lyrics were, but we were all too shocked to pay attention. I told my friend how I've always wondered if the radio thing was a sign from my grandma or some other spirit that was in the cemetery with us. Fast forward to tonight. My fiancé, who was at the funeral and in the car that day, was laying in bed with me getting ready to go to sleep. We're surfing the internet on our phones in a quiet house when out of nowhere our dog, who was dead asleep, wakes up and starts intensely growling at our bathroom. This progresses to intense, scared barking, hair raised, and body positioned in alert. She is now standing in our bed, and completely fixated at the dark bathroom. She's never done this before, and we both just have the vibes that something is here. We're freaking, and know we shouldn't be. We know our house isn't haunted... We've never had anything happen here. It's new construction built on a lot with no significant history or previous structure. But we both agree there's a vibe in the air. It's almost electric and the dog is freaking us out even more. I make my fiancé close the door because I'm not looking into that black abyss all night. He notes how the bathroom feels extra cold when he comes back. My left ear starts ringing with a buzz when out of nowhere we hear faint moaning sounds coming from inside the bathroom, twice. There's no denying as we both heard it. The first time I wasn't sure, but his face said everything the second time I heard it. We both knew it was real and inexplicably coming from inside the room. I'm freaked, he's freaked. I have this nagging feeling to look up my grandmother's obituary online. I don't know why. Maybe because I talked about her earlier in the day. A quick Google search pulls it up. The first sentence says, Late to rest, August 25th, 2012. As in today. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. In my gut feeling, I just feel it was her, and I meant to tell my mom about it. The day after that happened, my fiancé says that he awoke the next night to someone wiggling his big toe. He said he panicked and jumped basically on top of me. He was so freaked out. But the weird thing is, he said I didn't move or wake. He looked around, and nothing was there. He thought it might have been our dog but she was fast asleep on the floor across the room. He said he pulled the covers up, rolled over, and tried not to think about it. My grandmother was a very nice person, and I have fond memories of my time with her. As for my dog's reaction, my grandmother never knew my dog. Either way, nothing else weird since, and the odd feeling in the air seems to have left our home.
0: Been a custodial supervisor at a college for the last seven years before that i was a custodian at the same college for seven years i've cleaned and been in every building on campus from early mornings to late at night and i've seen and heard a lot of things in the last 14 years since i started working here one of the buildings that i used to clean wasn't a huge building it has three floors with two classrooms on each floor one on the east and the other on the west side of the building. Now to get to the classrooms, there is a staircase in the middle of the building with a heavy metal glass door that leads to a small hallway, a couple of offices, and the classroom. In the first few months that I had been cleaning this building, everything was pretty quiet. Till one morning, when I was on the third floor, cleaning one of my last classrooms for the day. I'd been wiping down a table when out of the corner of my eye, I see a man standing to the left of me. He had on a greenish-yellow striped sweater, and I remember thinking in that split moment that it looked like something from the 70s or something. Thinking a student got there early for class, I tell him, sorry, I'll be finished in a minute. And as I'm saying this, I turn my head all the way to face him, and no one is there. There was nowhere for anyone to go. I even checked the building. I was still the only person there. To top it off, the front door was still locked. I told my husband, who works as a custodian at the college with me. Of course, he didn't believe me completely. Thought I was seeing things. That is, until the following year, it became his building to clean in the mornings. He calls me one day freaking out because he was in the classroom on the second floor, which was right under the classroom I saw someone in. He heard what sounded like someone right above him, walking around, moving things like chairs, and just making a ruckus. This happened to him at least twice. Right away, he'd go up the stairs, thinking the same thing as I did. A student came in early, He would go up there to grab the trash and do a quick clean, and he'd find the classroom still locked and completely empty. I was staying at my partner's house, who had not long ago come out of an abusive relationship she was moving out of the house, and a few boxes were in the bedroom we were sleeping in. She had a six-year-old who was with us at the time, sleeping in his room. I woke up during the dark, early hours of the morning, and I heard him shuffling about at the bottom of the bed. I kept my head slightly under the covers and my eyes shut, as, to be honest, I didn't want to have to deal with a six-year-old when I was hoping he'd wake up his mom. After three or four minutes, I started to think that this wasn't him, as he hadn't tried to wake either of us up, just moving around at the bottom of the bed. Then I panicked. The ex? I started to worry for all of us at this point, and then I heard the footsteps I'd been listening to suddenly stomp and rush up the side of the bed. My partner's side of the bed. That was enough for me. I screamed as I flicked the bedside light on, expecting a confrontation. However, there was no one there in the lit room. No son, no ex. In the next few seconds, both myself and my now awake girlfriend then heard footsteps, almost running, going back down her side toward the bottom of the bed and across the room. To top off the experience, The set of boxes where the footstep sound ended suddenly tilted and rocked as if someone had run straight into them. I have no explanation for what happened. My girlfriend had never experienced anything in the house before. My father grew up in the mountain hills of Jalisco, Mexico. During his childhood, they grew up in a small adobe house and they had to help with work to bring money and food home. One night, after making it home from working with my grandfather, he went to sleep. He was awakened by what he recalls as just a small person that asked him to put on his shoes and follow him. He had something he wanted to give him, but they had to go on a walk to where it was. My father said he put his shoes on and followed the small person through the trees, past a field, a small creek, and arrived at a tree. This little person points at the foot of the tree, tells my father the treasure is there and it's for him. Where, my father replies. In the ground. I have a treasure I would like for you to have. He awoke on his bed mat at home in the morning. Confused, he looks over and notices his shoes with some mud. He ends up telling one of his brothers what had happened, and that they should go and dig for the treasure. They arrived at the location. The tree stood there, just like in my father's dream. They begin to dig, and after a couple of hours... They're tired and giving up. The dirt is hard, and they dug about a meter and a half down, maybe a little more. They were around the age of nine, and not that tall, so for them, that hole looked deep. They headed home, disappointed. Around a year passes, and a rancher nearby all of a sudden has become really wealthy. No one around knows from where or... How he came into this money, as he was as poor and worked just the same as everyone else in the area. People start telling their own versions of how they believe he came into this money. One of these tales mentions that he came across a treasure. My father, hearing this, remembers his treasure, the one that he never dug up, and he heads over as soon as he gets the chance. To my father's surprise, The hole looked like it had already been dug, and not too long ago, maybe about half a meter or more than they had dug. If they would have just dug a little further down, that treasure would have been theirs. But of course, then I don't think I would be here, and his life, well, it would have just gone in a totally different direction. Either way, my father's encounter, I think it was some sort of leprechaun. This happened a few years ago. My mom had an ex-boyfriend who died in a motorcycle accident. And it happened to be the 20-year anniversary of his death. That night, I ran into the store to get a few things. My mom stayed out in the car and waited for me. My mom used to work at the store, and I grew up going there. So it's safe to say that we knew almost everyone there. So it wasn't a surprise that when I came out, I saw a guy sitting in the passenger seat next to my mom. I just thought that it was one of the guys who worked there. I walked up to the car and I bent down to look through the window to see who it was that my mom was talking to. But no one was there. Within less than a minute, it took me to walk to the car. No one was in there except my mom. So I get in, sit down, and I feel ice-cold air go right through me. So I turned to my mom and I asked her two questions. One, had you been talking to one of the guys from the store just a minute ago? She gave me a weird look and said no. Question number two, did you have the AC on in the car? Her response, no. And I left it at that. I didn't say a word to her about what I saw until a couple of months later. As soon as I told her, She went and pulled out her old high school yearbook and opened it to a page, and I pointed at a picture, and I told her, that's who I saw sitting next to you. She looked at the picture and said, yep, that's him. I went on telling her that he looked kind of grumpy. She explained that he always did. It was just the way that he was. Without ever meeting this guy, I never saw his picture before. I didn't even know his real name, only a nickname. I was able to point out her dead ex-boyfriend in her yearbook. I have no doubt in my mind that it was him sitting next to her that night. friends. It appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode, but don't miss a brand new one every Friday night, and don't miss my other weekly uploads every Sunday and Wednesday. A gigantic thank you to Mr. Revenant for joining tonight's episode, and I hope those of you who aren't subscribed to his channel will head over and hit that button. I want to thank those who shared their stories, and a big thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to The Darkest Hour, and tap the bell so you never miss a thing. I sure do appreciate all of it, and I can't thank you enough. Huge shout out to all of my patrons for their unwavering support. Shane Q, Stephen S, Monica L, The Dark Cosmos, Zoe Watt, Shelly B, Donald C, Rat Girl, Alicia S., Aaron G., and Nikki H. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour or click the link in the description to learn more. Keep up with me and all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram, at thedarkesthouryt and follow me on Twitter, T D H. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me. Amanda, Darkest Hour@ gmail.com. Or join the Darkest Hour subreddit, The Darkest Hour, YT. Stay spooky.